Today is one of those feasts in the church where we get a little bit of Latin that everybody kind of knows, and that is the, the first word of the introit for today's Mass, the famous command Gaudete. It's a, a Latin word that is it's an imperative sense of the, the verb, meaning it's a command to rejoice, Gaudete. It's, it's also known because we, we light our, our rose candle, we wear rose vestments. We get that same fuller explanation of the scripture passage today in our second reading. It's from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians in the fourth chapter, Gaudete, rejoice in the Lord always. And unless we miss it, St. Paul actually says, I'll say it again, rejoice. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes the idea that someone could command people to rejoice, well, it, it can fall a little harsh, I think, especially if, well, you're not happy. It's like, how can you command someone, hey, cheer up, be happy? There's almost nothing worse you could say to someone who is depressed than to say, hey, stop being so depressed. <laughs> I've, I've been there. That's, that does not help. In fact, it kind of makes it worse. It, it kind of reminds you like, yeah, I don't feel very good. And quite frankly, St. Paul, telling me to feel good makes me feel worse. So just cut it out. Enough with the be happy stuff. But is that really what St. Paul is saying? I, I don't think so, because you can't command someone to feel good or, or to be happy. We just don't have that kind of control over our emotions. Gaudete. The, the Latin word gaudere, to, to rejoice, is, is something much deeper than simply how we feel or to, to have happy thoughts or sentiments. The reason St. Paul can give us an imperative, gaudete, rejoice, uh, is because it has nothing to do with how we feel. Rather, it is something that is under the control of our will. We can choose perhaps to to be thankful, to give God the right praise, to even in the midst of whatever suffering is going on, to be able to say there is cause for rejoicing, for being somewhat encouraged. Maybe hope is a good word. Because even if things are bad, you can hope that maybe they won't always be this way. Or maybe that there's even something beyond the present sadness that is cause for rejoicing. So let's first focus on the fact that rejoicing is not the same as being happy. So why can St. Paul tell us today to rejoice? Well, here's the, here's the other part of it that I, I think we, we often miss. And for that, we, we need another Latin word. Isn't it great? You guys are advanced, right? You know Gaudete, that's, that's easy. Here's, a, here's another Latin word that comes from the same reading. And it's, it's really the key to it, I think. Why, why Gaudete? Why can Paul tell us rejoice? Here's the other word, prope, P-R-O-P-E. It means near, dominus enum prope est. The Lord is near. That's why we can rejoice. The Lord is near. 
Notice in that, that word near, it does not mean that, well, God is here, so he's going to fix everything. Ah, the Lord is in our midst, as we hear in our first reading. This sounds like really good news. Behold, the King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. That sounds like the, the greatest news ever. And the word for the Lord there is, is the holy name of God. So literally, Yahweh, Adonai, the Lord, he's right here. Now, I, I tend sometimes to maybe feel that, well, if God is right here, shouldn't things be a little bit better? I mean, when you look at all the things that are going on around us, if God is really in our midst, if God is really with us, if he is really prope, near, well, things ought to look a whole lot better, I would think. And I, I tend to, to get this way sometimes. Even as a, as a priest, I, I have the blessing to celebrate Mass every day and, and hold Jesus in my hands. I mean, that's theoretically what, what greater gift could there, there be that we would have the Eucharist. If you want to talk about God is with us, the Lord is prope, near, well, the saints tell us that the way that God is present in the Eucharist is, is even greater than when Jesus physically walked the earth and lived with his apostles for all those years. Shouldn't it do of more? Sometimes that's literally what I'm thinking. When I, when I hold Jesus up at the altar, I think of all the stuff that's going on and all the things that I need to pray for and all the people who have asked me to pray for this that's going on. My, my kid's sick. My, my husband is in danger. Uh, we might lose their job. Children are suffering. Father, my, my kids have turned away from the faith. My grandkids don't, don't go to church anymore. All that can kind of be what I, I bring to the altar when I go. And sometimes I'm just, I'm holding up Jesus and the sacred host and I'm thinking, Jesus, if you're really here, this ought to do more, shouldn't it? Shouldn't, shouldn't your being near, shouldn't your presence with us do something a, a little bit more? It's not a, it's not a bad thought. And I, I just, I, I share that with you because that's, that's very much the human condition. We're weighed down sometimes by all the stuff that's going on and things that are serious, things that rightly would weigh people down. So the fact that the Lord is near, that he's in our midst, cannot mean that God is here to fix everything. It, it didn't happen for Zephaniah, the, the, the prophet, the great and holy one of Israel, the king is in your midst. And really bad things still happened to Israel, didn't fix everything. And even with us, we know Okay, God is with us, but there's still a lot of bad stuff going on. There's still a lot of suffering. How are we to interpret then this beautiful word prope that seems to carry such an upliftingness? After all, that's why Paul tells us we can rejoice because the Lord is prope, near. How do we understand this? Well, whatever it means, it has to be it has to be much more than simply things will go well or that in the world's estimation, we, we should be able to be happy. In a very mysterious sort of way, we can rejoice because the Lord is near even in the midst of suffering. I think about another famous time in scripture where the word prope 
is used. And that is on Good Friday at Mount Calvary. It says near the cross where Mary, his mother, Mary Magdalene, they were prope, they were near. And notice they were near to the greatest suffering that ever happened. And, and did the presence of Mary, Mary Magdalene, John, did it, did it make the suffering of the cross end? No, Jesus still died on the cross as we will all die. So they were near, not to, not to eliminate the cross, not to take away the cross, but somehow to, to be present to it. And we know from the readings of the saints that the presence of Mary and John, they aided Jesus in his suffering. When Jesus was in agony in the garden, an angel drew near to him to comfort him. Didn't take away the pain, but it somehow, it made it a little less bitter, as a little bit better able to bear the sufferings. And I think maybe that is the key to understanding what it means for the Lord to be prope with us, to be near to us. It doesn't take away suffering. We're all going to die. Eventually, there will be such great suffering that it ends this earthly life for these broken bodies of ours. But somehow the Lord being near should make it that perhaps we could bear it a little better, that we could have a little more courage to, to keep going with that Christian virtue of hope that says, yes, there's pain, there's suffering, but it's not pointless. If there's anything that could make suffering worse, it would be to think that it's all for nothing, that it just goes on and it's pointless and it doesn't mean anything and I just feel bad for no reason. That, I think, is what it means to say that the Lord is near reminds us then if God, who we trust, is all good and, and could certainly eliminate suffering if that was what was for our good, the fact that he allows the suffering and yet is with us draws our attention above to say that just as Jesus knew the cross was not the end, so suffering in this life is not the end and can even be redemptive. That's the, the beautiful teaching of St. John Paul II. And if you haven't read his beautiful encyclical on, on redemptive suffering, read Divis and Misericordia, Rich in Mercy, uh, Salvifici Dolores, uh, the suffering, salvific suffering. These two encyclicals really give us the, the key that suffering can even be for our good. And if we know that the Lord is near, well, then we have no reason to be afraid. Then we can hear St. Paul tell us rejoice because he says, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace. Those beautiful words. The Lord is near. Hope. Peace. These are words we, we associate with Advent, I think, more than anything. How will we have peace? Well, if we know that the Lord is near and that our sufferings are not for nothing, that indeed they lead towards heaven, then we can have peace no matter what is going on in the world. Does it look bad? Still rejoice. Still have peace. Things are, are, are suffering. There's difficulty. There's, there's depression. There's anxiety. There's all kinds of the cares of the world. Fine. Gaudete even. Rejoice. Because God's in it. He's there with you. He's not left you alone. Suffering is not the end. It's 
why I, I, I note that in our Advent wreath, as much as we, we come to this day and we, we light the rose candle, the thing that always strikes me about this is that today is the, it's the third Sunday of Advent. There, there's a fourth Sunday of Advent yet to come and we, we get to light another purple candle. To me, it would make more sense to say we have purple and purple and purple, and then on the last Sunday, we get rose, and then on Christmas, it's finally white. The, the light just gradually keeps increasing the whole way. But it's not what we get. We get the rose candle, not at the end of Advent. Rather, we get the rose candle right in the middle of Advent, in the darkness of a purple candle on either side of it. There's a purple candle yet to go. We go back to purple next week before we go to Christmas. I think that's maybe a little bit of what St. Paul's call is today. Rejoice, not because it's, it's almost Christmas, we're almost done. Rejoice because oh, I've almost made it. Rejoice because, well, the suffering is almost done. Rejoice because things are really getting good. No, things may not be really getting good. They may not be getting brighter and brighter and better and better. Things may seem like they're getting worse and worse. And right in the middle of that, in the middle of, I don't know how much longer I can go on, the church gives us rose in the middle of the darkness. And notice it's, it's not white. It's not, hey, everything's great. It's all, no, it's, it's not purple. It's not white. It's, it's a little bit of light in the middle of the darkness. And I think that is the key to the Christian life. What do we need more than anything? Well, sure, white, heaven, that, that's, that's coming. That'll be great when everything is pure, white, and beautiful, and it's just light forever. Great. That day will come. And there are certainly dark days when it just seems like there is no light, and it's just dark purple. But the key to, I think, living this life well is in the rose candle. It's not all white. It's not all purple either. It's a, a little bit of hope, a little bit of lift up your heart, right in the middle of the darkness. Even though you're surrounded everything with darkness and it seems like it's all suffering, Gaudete, rejoice anyway. Not because you feel good, not because it's about to get really bright, but because the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness is not overcome it, as St. John tells us. So today we can rejoice not because it's all good, but because the Lord is prope, dominus prope est. The Lord is near. In fact, so near that he's right here, right in the middle of it with us. That's Christmas. God came down and said, I want to be in the middle of this mess with you. Not to fix it, not to make it all better, but to be with us. Prope, near. And that leads Christmas to the greatest title of God that we have in this season, Emmanuel, which literally means God is with us. And if that's true, well, then Paul's right. Gaudete.